Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. This morning I'm speaking about an event that is prophesied in the Bible that we call the rapture. Before we get started, I just want to set a little bit of a baseline for this. Here's one of my key thoughts coming up on the screen. It's also in your notes. According to many end-time scholars, all the prophetic signs leading up to Jesus' appearing and the rapture of the church have been fulfilled. The next event that awaits the church is the rapture. Now, many other end-time prophecies will be fulfilled after the rapture, but indications point to the rapture as the next end-time prophecy which will be fulfilled. And here's the question. Are you ready? Are you ready? According to many end-time scholars, all the prophetic signs leading up to Jesus' appearing And the rapture of the church have been fulfilled. Most of these revolve around Israel, Israel becoming a nation, Jerusalem becoming their capital. These things have been fulfilled that were prophesied millennia ago. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time giving you chapter and verse on this. If you do want more information, I can direct you to resources where you can find these scriptures and study it for themselves. Many, according to many end-time scholars, all the prophetic signs leading up to Jesus' appearing in the rapture of the church have been fulfilled. The next event that awaits the church is the rapture. Are you ready? Are you ready? I grew up in a church which did not teach about the rapture. The Gospels and other scriptures were read every Sunday. So the verses I'm going to be reading to you from Paul's writings and from the Gospel of Matthew, these were read in my church. But there was no teaching about the rapture. After I got saved in my early 20s, I attended another church. And for the first time in my life, I heard about the trumpet and the shout And the coming of Jesus in the clouds. These scriptures were taught, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, why have I never heard about this before? My church never taught about it. So the reason I felt led to preach about the rapture is there are probably some of you here, and certainly there may be some of you who are online who have grown up like I grew up, not knowing about this thing called the rapture. And I want to make certain that you understand what this incredible event is and when it will take place in the timeline of the end times. Now, if you grew up in a church like Columbus First Assembly where the rapture was taught, then this will be only a review for you. But I hope it will be an encouragement to us all. I know that sometimes talking about the end times, talking about the rapture, talking about the return of Jesus can cause some anxiety. That's how it impacted me. But Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica about the end times and the rapture, and he said this, coming up on the screen, 
So encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with these words. My hope is that the words that I preach today, the words that you hear in the scripture will be an encouragement to you. This week is part one of this series, which I'm calling Caught Up. And today I'm going to answer the question, what is the rapture? What is the rapture? First of all, I need to let you know, if you were to go to your Bible, to the concordance in the back, or if you were to go to any of the online Bibles and do a search for the word rapture, you will not find the word rapture in the Bible. The word rapture is not in our English Bible, nor is there a Greek word which is translated as rapture. According to the research that I have done, rapture can be found in the Latin Vulgate translation of Jerome. Back centuries ago, millennia ago, the Bible was translated into Latin. And Jerome, who served as one of the translators for this, translated the words we're going to look at in Latin, the word that's rapture, and I'm going to probably butcher the Latin, but it's rapturo. And we transliterated it into English as rapture when we went from the Latin Bible to an English Bible. This Bible served as the Western world for over 1,200 years, from 400 A.D. to 1611, when the King James Version was published. Now, while the word rapture is not in our English text, the event, which we call the rapture, is clearly taught in the New Testament. So grab your Bible and let's begin to look at God's word today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is our first stopping point. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 is what I'm going to read. Today, the verses will be on the screen, specifically for the home audience on uh, this Uh, streaming that they can see it. But if you have your Bible with you or you have your device, turn there so that you can see it for yourself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse number 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Paul had found out that this church in a town called Thessalonica, that the church was wrestling with some teaching that had come in that said that those who have died in Christ are not going to be able to meet Jesus when he returns. They had, this is very early on, and all of the teaching hadn't been established. The Holy Spirit hadn't inspired the Apostle Paul and Peter in the letter writing that they had. It had not yet been compiled into the documents of the New Testament. And so this church was very concerned because what had happened was they were expecting Jesus to come back very quickly, and he hadn't returned yet, and those that they had loved now died. And they thought, oh my goodness, what is going to happen to them? And so Paul is going to give some teaching here. I'm so glad that he did because it really helps us to understand. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Now, I'm going to park there just for a second. God will bring back with Jesus the believers who have died. This is what Paul is giving them hope for. 
The bodies might be in the ground. The spirits are with God and Jesus in heaven. And there is coming a time when God will send Jesus with all those who have died in Christ. He's going to bring them back. Verse 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died, those are the ones that were being brought back, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. So the spirit man that is with God in heaven comes down, goes into the ground, into the what was the decayed body that God puts back together, and those individuals come back alive and come out of the graves. Don't know what it's going to look like. Don't know if the ground is going to open up or if they're just going to spiritually just rise up through the ground and the graves will, will not be disturbed. We don't know what it's going to look like, but it will happen. The Christians, going back to verse 16, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever, so encourage each other with these words. The words that are translated in our English version as caught up are the words that Jerome used in Latin to translate rapturo, or that we have rapture. We translate them caught up. They are the Greek word harpazo, and it literally means to seize or carry off by force. So the picture that Paul was painting for those in Thessalonica those that are here today, those throughout the generations, is that there is coming an event where people will be snatched or seized or caught up as if by force. That is the rapture. It happens in a moment. The dead rise. Their spirits have been rejoined with their bodies. We who are alive at the moment that this takes place, where Jesus appears, where there is a shout, where there is a trumpet call, our bodies go to be with the Lord in the air. That is the rapture. Now, Paul gave some other instructions to the Corinthian church or the church at Corinth. And I want us to turn in our Bibles now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He spends an entire chapter in 1 Corinthians describing the resurrection of the dead to help us understand. But in a few verses, verses 50 through 53, he specifically gives us some instruction that applies to us in the rapture. And so again, if you would turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse number 50, Paul says, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That means the body that you're living in right now is not fit for heaven. This body ain't going to heaven. Let 
Let me read it again. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, we already saw this in 1 Thessalonians, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die, and our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. What you are in right now, the way that I understand it, because Jesus, when he was resurrected, was recognized, people knew who he was, was your body will go from mortal to immortal. You'll still be recognized. People will still know who you are. It will happen in a moment. It will happen in an instant. You will go from mortal to immortal, just as those who are in the ground in an instant will go from a dead mortal body to an alive immortal body. So let's go into the, uh, the teaching portion of the message this morning. So what is the rapture? Take your notes, if you would, please. What is the rapture? Number one, the rapture is an instantaneous and supernatural event. Instantaneous and supernatural event. It happens quickly. The uh, first Corinthians said it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. Most of the older translations said it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. An instantaneous supernatural event. The rapture is an instantaneous and supernatural event where, and now we'll get to some additional things. A, Jesus comes down from heaven and appears in the sky. When the rapture takes place, our Lord is going to appear in the sky, in the heavens. He's going to come from heaven and appear in the sky. B, the dead in Christ are raised from the dead with immortal bodies. Now, it's the dead in Christ. At this resurrection, it is only believers. It is only those who have died believing in God, believing in the Lord. The dead in Christ are raised from the dead with immortal bodies. C, living believers, you and I, if we're alive when this happens, living believers are transformed into their immortal bodies. So while the dead Spirits are coming with Jesus from heaven, going into the ground, reanimating those bodies into immortal bodies. Something supernatural is taking place because we're still living. Our spirits are still in these bodies. So these bodies get transformed into immortal bodies all in an instant, all at the blink or the twinkling of an eye. And then D, all those who have the immortal bodies, those who come out of the grave with an immortal body, those who are alive on planet Earth, you and I, if it happens in our lifetime, will get immortal bodies. All of us go to be with the Lord in the air at that time. There was a precious old saint in my former church who believed that the Holy Spirit spoke to her that she would be a part of the rapture. And... She was getting older, but she really believed that. And I thought, wow, isn't that going to be cool? Because at her age, that means I'm probably going to be part of the rapture unless something happens to me. And then she went to the nursing home. And then 
Her health began to deteriorate significantly. And she said, Pastor, I know that God spoke to me and said I'm going to be a part of the rapture. I don't know. It must be coming. It must be coming soon. I don't think I misheard him. She went on. And then one time when I was reading this text, it just occurred to me, she isn't going to miss the rapture. She's going to experience it too, but she'll experience it from the grave instead of from a living position. And that's exactly what happened. She went to be with the Lord. Her body was buried. We had a funeral, graveside service, all of those things. But I can tell you that right now, her spirit is in heaven. She is waiting for the day that she's going to be reunited in that body. She is waiting for that day, and she's going to come out of the grave. She's going to be alive. The rest of the people around, like you and I, are going to be translated. We're going to be transformed, and we're all going to meet the Lord in the air. No, she will not miss out on the rapture. She's just going to come out of it from the grave instead of being alive. What the Lord spoke to her, was true. We will experience the rapture. Point two this morning. What is the rapture? It is a selective event. It is a selective event. Not everybody is going to take part in the rapture. It is a selective event. Only true believers are caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. It is a selective event. Only true believers will be caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. I want to take you to another passage of Scripture. It's Matthew's Gospel, the 24th chapter. We're going to look at several verses starting in verse number 36. Next week when I conclude... This portion of the rapture, we'll spend some more time in this, but we're going to read it, and I'm going to comment about a portion of it. So starting in verse 36, before verse 36, Jesus has already talked about the time of the end, some of the signs to be looking forward to, some of the signs that will tell us when the end is getting closer. But in verse 36, he goes on to say, however, no one knows the day or the hour. We can Read the signs for the season, but we will not know the exact day. We will not know the exact hour, but we can sure be ready as we, as we stay prepared. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Now, Jesus at that time, being human and on earth, the Father didn't reveal it to him, so he didn't have to lie to them when they wanted to know when the time was. He just says, I don't even know when it is. He knows now because he is in heaven with the Father. But at that time, he did not know. Now, verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Verse 40. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you two must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. One will be taken, the other left. Why? Because only one was a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say to you this morning, 
say to you, those who are watching us online, your spouse may be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. They may be a true believer. But if you are not, they will be taken and you will be left. It doesn't matter if your mother or your father are true believers. If you are not, they will be taken. You will be left. Maybe your best friend is a true believer. If you are not, they will be taken. You will be left. You may call yourself a Christian, even attend a church that has roots in Christianity, but if you have not personally received the gift of forgiveness and eternal life, you will be left behind at the rapture. That's why Jesus says, keep watch. That's why the opening question that I gave, the statement that I made is, are you ready? Whether the rapture happens soon or decades from now, are you ready? Will you be ready? For Jesus says, you may know the signs, but you do not know the day or the hour. Are you ready? Are you ready? We need to keep watch. Often when I speak about the rapture, I usually receive a question either after the fact or uh, sometimes if it's, in a, uh, uh, if it's in a Bible study where we actually have discussion. So I'm going to go ahead and answer the question before you have a chance to ask me it. And the question is this, what about children? What about children? Will children go in the rapture or will they be left? What about children? Are you talking about children of believers? I'm talking about children across the world. This morning we had our baby dedication and in the, in the uh, uh, dedication portion I read some scripture where Jesus said this, let the children come for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Young children and babies, the children of heaven, the, the, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. They are innocent, they have childlike faith, and they have not yet come to a point where they are personally and knowingly committing sin. Babies and children, whether they're in believing families or not, babies and young children who have not reached the maturity to intentionally and actively choose sin and rebellion are safe in Jesus. But now, parents and any children or teens who are here, please hear this next statement. But every child at some point, begins to choose sin, rebellion, disobedience, and going their own way. They are making conscious choices. I do not know at what age this happens. I personally don't think that it is an age line that you cross over this line when you turn 10 or 15 or 18. I don't believe personally that there is like an age line that you cross. It's probably different for other individuals, but at some point, you began to sin knowingly. At some point in my childhood, late 
childhood, early teen age uh, life, I began to sin knowingly. I began to choose not to follow what my parents said, what other people said. I began to follow my own way. At whatever point that is, when they are old enough, when a child is old enough to consciously make a decision for Jesus and they do not. They consciously make a decision for Jesus because they've consciously made decisions for sin. If the rapture take place, they will be left. It doesn't matter, young people, if your parents are saved. If you are old enough and mature enough to begin to consciously go and pursue sin and disobedience and rebellion and choose not to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. If the rapture was to take place and you know that your parents are followers of the Lord Jesus, they will be taken. You will be left. Those are uncomfortable and sobering thoughts. I don't say them because I want to scare you. But I do want you to understand the reality of what this event is and what it means if you choose not to open your heart to Jesus. Because when the rapture happens and all believers are removed from this planet, all the dead in Christ rise, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically everything that's going to happen but the easiest way that I could describe it is chaos. And, as we will discover next week, that is when the wrath and the judgment of God falls upon the earth. Yes, there will be people that will be saved after the rapture. Yes. But do you want to wait? Will you even have opportunity to wait? Will you even live through the ramifications and the repercussions when millions, if not a billion people or more, are removed from this planet in an instant? What will that look like? Parents, I want to speak to you for a second. Grandparents, other family members, even church members listen in on this, but I'm, I'm focusing it on parents. Parents, it is extremely important that we model what a vital and passionate Christian life is in front of our children. It is vital that we speak often to them about the faith and about our faith. They are looking to us, and if you have a lukewarm half-baked faith that isn't vital, are your children going to want to follow that? Parents, it's vital that we speak often about the faith, that we live in front of them a vital Christian walk. Lead them to Jesus. Teach them about Jesus so that they will early in life receive him personally into their hearts. Parents, take advantage of every resource which this church offers to partner with you in leading your children toward faith in Jesus. Have your kids here on Sunday mornings. Have your kids here on Wednesday night. Have your kids at retreats or camps or whatever it is. We spend a great deal of money at this church to, to have available for you. We're partnering with you, but you're primary. 
We're partnering with you. You're the primary instructor of spiritual things. You are the primary model in your children's life. But take advantage of everything. The rapture will take place. And there will be those older children or teenagers. Again, I don't have an idea of when that age Some people call it the age of accountability will take place. But when a child and a teenager has matured enough to be choosing sin, rebellion, and their own way, if the rapture takes place, then before they choose Jesus and the forgiveness of their sins, they will be left. So I plead with you young people and I plead with you parents. This is a sobering reality. But I must share the truth with you. If you're at home and you're hearing this and you have young people listening also, or if you don't have young people listening, you may want to hit the share button on your social feed and send this out so that others can hear it. If those who study the end times are correct in everything, all of the prophecies have been fulfilled, and so we are waiting for the next prophetic event, the rapture of the church, our time is less. Now, whether that is In months, years, decades, or whatever, we still must be ready. Young people, you must be ready. Not only must we be ready, we must live ready. I'll give some final thoughts here coming up on the screen. These are not in your notes. You may want to write them down. There is a heaven that awaits. There is a rapture that will occur. There is a Savior who will receive us. And there is a God who is for us, then who can be against us? Therefore, encourage each other with these words. There is a heaven that awaits us. There is a rapture that will occur when we will be snatched from this world. There is a Savior who will be there to receive us. Both then and now, there is a God who is for us then who can be against us, says the book of Romans. So therefore, encourage one another or encourage each other with these words. As I wind down, you might be thinking to yourself or maybe even saying to yourself, Pastor, when you talk about this stuff, it just makes me anxious. It just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like to hear about the end times. I don't like to hear about the rapture. Have you ever asked yourself why? Have you ever asked yourself why thoughts of the end times and the rapture makes you uncomfortable? I will tell you about a time in my life when thoughts about the rapture made me more uncomfortable than any other time in my life. I'll tell you what, I did not want the rapture to come. I actually might have prayed, Lord, can you hold back for a little bit? It was about three weeks to a month before my wedding and my honeymoon. I was just thinking, God, I've, I've waited so long. Now my wedding and my honeymoon is, is coming. Lord, could you, could you just wait? And he did. It's now, what, 37, 38 years, Sherry? So uh, he waited. Sometimes there's some natural reasons why the thought about the rapture, the thought about the end times might make us a bit uncomfortable or anxious. But let me ask you, why for you? That was one of the times for me. You might be saying, yeah, but I'm I'm only a year out of retirement. 
That would be your reason to not want the rapture to happen, to make you uncomfortable? But, but we're just building a new house. Listen, all those things are good. Nothing wrong with any of them. But if that is what makes you uncomfortable about the thought that Jesus Christ might come and rescue us, snatch us away, maybe you need to evaluate what's the most important thing in your life. And it's good to have a new house, and it's good to have a new car, and it's good to get married, and all of the other things. But if you become incredibly anxious regarding the rapture or the end times because of a house that you're building, a job promotion that you're expecting, I would challenge you to examine your heart. Now, there's one other thing that does make me anxious about the rapture. It has been with me for decades. And this one, I'm going to say, if you're anxious in the same way that I'm anxious, I think God approves of this. There are times when I think about my extended family, when I think about close friends that I have known, when I think about individuals that I am in relationship in this community who all indications are, are not yet followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That does make me anxious about the rapture. I see some of you nodding your heads. You know exactly where I'm coming from. You have a child. You have a grandchild. You have a spouse. You have a niece or a nephew or a cousin. You have a close friend. And to the best of your knowledge, they don't know Jesus. And a thought about the rapture happening soon makes you anxious. Then take advantage of that anxiety. Take advantage of how uncomfortable it makes you feel and passionately pray for them and do whatever is possible for you to continue to show Jesus Christ to them. Because as we think about this event which is coming where we and all other believers will be snatched away and those people potentially are left behind, that does cause anxiety. I understand that. And I carry it with me often. And I use it in my prayer time. I'm going to wind us down as the team returns to the platform. First of all, I'm going to ask you if... There is a reason beyond souls coming to the kingdom that is making you anxious as I talk about this thing called the rapture. Maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you this morning about your need to refocus and make him the center and the priority of your life. Maybe this morning as I have been talking either to those of you that are watching by the video stream or those of you that are here, you say, gosh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready. I'm not sure if this thing that you're describing, Jesus returning with a shout, with a trumpet, I'm not sure that I would go up. And this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer to open your life and your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he may become your forgiver, your Lord your Savior, because you don't want to miss this event, a glorious, wonderful event. 
Or maybe you fall into the category of someone who at one time passionately followed the Lord. But now, not so. Not so much. There are a lot of other things that are far more important. Maybe this morning, you wish to consider whether or not you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads as I pray? Father, I don't know where every person is at. Where they're at in their faith walk, where they're at in a relationship with you, but you do. And Lord, I know that your Holy Spirit has the ability to stir a heart, to convict a life. You're not going to beat them down and make them feel condemned, but you want them in heaven with you. You want them to be able to be lifted at the sound of the trumpet and at the shout and the call of an archangel. You want them to be with you there in the air, whether they rise from the position of being dead in the grave or whether they are transformed here. You want them to be there. Father, if you're speaking to someone today, make it very clear whether they're watching by the stream or they're watching here in per or, or taking part here in person. Lord, be speaking to them over the next couple of minutes. And then I'm going to ask them to make a decision. I'm going to invite them to receive a free gift. In just a moment, be with us, Lord. Be working on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand, follow the team? They're going to lead us in a song. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, you don't have to sing along. Be talking to him. I'm going to lead in prayer in just a few moments so that you have the opportunity to open your heart to Jesus. But let's take a moment and worship our Savior. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.